Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody and welcome to another awesome episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. So happy you're here and joining us today. As you are listening to this, we are going to be just two weeks away from the National. I know you guys are probably so sick of me talking about the National, especially if you're not able to go or don't want to go or whatever. I get it. But today, I think it's going to give you a little bit of insight, not just about the National, but maybe about any card show that you would go to. I'm talking today to my buddy, Craig, and he and I have done business together for a number of years. We've gotten to know each other a lot better over the last year or so. In fact, he was on an episode of, he was on, this is episode number 77 of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. He was just on episode number 62, so not that long ago. He is by far the most popular guest I've ever had because the episode he was on 62 has the most listens and views from between YouTube and uh, podcast of any episode of Golden Age of Cardboard ever. And it's not even really close. So let me go ahead and bring him in and we'll get into the conversation. Craig, how does that make you feel? You're, hey. you're, you're the number you're number one, man. That's great. That's exciting. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it's not because of your looks, right? Well, I know that. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, well, Holly was on last time for a second, so maybe that helped. Don't you know, tell I, her because she okay. will get the bit. She'll be like, it's all because I was on there. She'll, I know. She'll be <laughs> like, I drove up viewership. Um, it, look, I, my anniversary was a couple weeks ago. And yeah. after 23 years of being married, I have long since realized how much I outkicked my coverage. Right. So, I, I think we're both very blessed, right? With yeah, we are. I think I'm 27. Yeah, 27. 27. That's awesome. So, and we, what I want to talk to you about today, you're you're a dealer and have been for a long time. For those that may not have listened to episode 62 uh, when you were on before, uh, we want to tailor this towards the national, but really just kind of anything for people out there that might go to shows and into the mind of how a dealer thinks and not in, in, in both a good way, you know, in terms of just understanding where the, the point of view that they're coming from, right? Mm-hmm. And and we're all people, right? And we're all we all want to be helpful, and you want to help us us collectors get cards because I always look at everything as from a collector's mindset. Like that's that's just how I think because that's what I am. Right. You're a dealer. You've been dealing cards now for thirty plus years. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, on and off, uh, doing shows since then. So of course, since I kind of retired from the corporate world i've been doing more shows and and uh but yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head with the collector i'm a i am i know i do the shows but i'm a big collector too so you know for me whenever i'm setting up for a show or getting ready i want to get every book 
get my boxes, you know, and I, it's, it's, I always wish that everybody at the show would keep everything in order, but it doesn't always work that way. But right. you know, it makes life easier for the set builder and everybody to build everything in numerical order. The books in order. I like to have them full. So, you know, I, I want to, and I told you that on the last podcast, you know, for us to be able to fill somebody's set is, you know, this is the last card for my set and this is it, you know, it's always exciting. And that's, that's the goal really is to help the collector build their sets and find the cards that they really want. Uh, be it a complete set or maybe it's a team set or a player run or whatever, you know, um, that's, that's the goal. Don't you think it helps you be a better dealer because you also think like a collector, like you, you go, I want to give the experience to someone else that I would want if right. I came to a booth. Is that how you think? Exactly. And you know, like today I was, I've got, I've got my daughter Katie upstairs sorting cards right now. Now she, she just loves it. Not really, but you know, <laughs> You know, when I go through cards, like a lot of the stuff I have is raw. I'm like, man, these are really nice. And I'm putting them in the books or in the boxes, you know, I'm like, as a collector, I'm like, you know, I would, I'd like to buy these and put them in my set. So, I mean, you know, my mindset of I'm kind of picky on condition. I like to have nice condition cards. Um, I think helps me to be able to have nicer cards in my display at the shows, you know, and I, I don't like to put a card in there that's got a wrinkle or a crease. You know, I like to make sure that they're that they're nice. And then whenever the collector comes to my booth or my tables, they're like, you know, your cards are really looking. And I, I get that a lot. And that makes me feel good, uh, you know, that they think my cards look nice. And and that's my goal. I, you know, and I, I have the lower grade stuff, too, and I'll have the off grade and some people like that. And that's OK, too. You know, but I like to have something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that guy. I'm your low grade. You know, I don't need eights and everything. I'll take fours and threes and nice looking yeah. twos. You've said something just now that I want to ask you about. Cause yeah, you said, I'm an, if, if they're nice enough, you'd buy them from yourself. Well, I think it's that mindset we were talking about. So, okay. you know, I like to go to card shows. I mean, I, I work on my sets and raw stuff and I'll buy graded cards every now and then. But as I'm going through, you know, my cards, maybe that I've got here that I'm sorting them you know, these are really nice. So in other words, if I was at a show, I'd be interested in buying these because they're you. sharp. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. it's just that mindset of what I like to look for. I want to be yeah. able to make that available at the shows, you know? So. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So how many, what, which, what number national would this be for you this year? And this AC? will be number three. This will be number three for me as a dealer. Yes. As and a dealer. you've done, I've been to a couple other, I've been to two other nationals. So, uh, of course, last, the last one that got canceled, um, when was that? It was supposed to be, was that Atlantic City? 2020. 2020. Yeah. yeah. And then the two Chicago's that I've done. So then this one here in Atlantic City. That's right. Cause we met in 19. Yeah. In Chicago. Right. Uh, I met you in Holly. I bought several cards from you, um, yeah. including a 71 Tops Clemente. That's okay crazy that i remember that i bought that card from that's you a tough, that's a tough card right there yeah you know, Very and tough. you had a beautiful six that uh again it's worth probably 3x what i paid for it but that's what i paid what it was worth it you know right um that's just the way the market's gone yep which as a dealer do you ever go man if i only had the stuff that i've already sold you know yeah i mean i remember that I'm trying to think what year that was, the Chicago show. 18. Um, 18. I remember I had a PSA 9 Dr. J rookie. I think I sold for. I'm um, sorry. It was 19. I lied. 19. 19. 
I have a hard time remembering dates, but I remember PSI nine, Dr. J rookie, I sold for maybe 1500 or something at the time, you know, or whatever it was worth. And you think about some of those cards, um, but I've got a lot of, I mean, you know, you can't, I don't beat myself up over it because I've got, I've got my collection and I've got the cards that I'm, I'm happy with. So, I mean, you know, um, the stuff I take to the shows are cards that I am okay with parting with. Gotcha. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, I do remember cards that I've sold over the years and like, man, that one's really went up or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, it comes and goes, you know, I've bought a lot of cards and got in my collection that I've done. Just like the Clemente, you said the PSA six is probably three times now. I think, um, you know, I wish I could keep everything, but you just, you just can't, but there's yeah. some things that I've kept in my collection for, well, since I was in grade school, I guess. So, well, number one rule of any business is never be mad at making a profit, right? Like, Never, never kick yourself when you make a profit. So that that's, you know, you can't change if it, everything went down, you'd be like, man, I'm, so, you know, you wouldn't go back and, you know, it just is what it is. Right. Right. You're exactly right. So being a, a multi-year customer of yours and loving the way you do things, you've helped me complete raw sets. You've helped me buy add slabs to my collection of hall of famers and all kinds of different stuff. One thing I love about what you do and provide is a wide breadth of different things. It's not just one thing, which can be fine. Like yeah. it's nothing against that, but I can go to, I like going to one place and being able to fill lots of collecting holes. Yeah. Do you get that type of uh, yeah. comments from other people as well? I do. Kind of that one stop shopping and that's you know and that's what i hope to be able to accomplish whenever somebody comes to the tables you know i like to do um you know, i've got all the albums in the books of cards and i've also got the boxes full of cards and card saver ones <clears throat> um, and then of course i've got as many showcases you know usually i have one of the bigger spreads at most of the shows of the vintage you know so um i'll fill all the showcases and those are all full so um I try to just kind of guide everybody through, uh, you know, if they're working on a certain set or certain year, uh, try to make it as easy as possible, I guess, uh, to where they can find the cards that they need. Um, so, you know, if they're looking for a certain, a certain year or certain grade or certain stars, I can just kind of point them in the right direction, pull the box or pull a book and they usually have their numbers and uh, can go through and fill their sets. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I've got the football and, uh, a lot of vintage football too. Uh, you know, that's not nearly as popular as the baseball, but there are football collectors out there and I've got quite a bit of football that I bring along. So, um, and you, yeah. you have a lot of repeat customers too. I've oh, noticed yeah. like guys that go, man, you got to go see Craig. Like, yeah. like that's, and that's honestly, when I go to a show that I know you're at, you're the first booth I want to go to. Like Appreciate I want to go. All right. If I'm going to spend my budget, I want to do it with Craig. Like, cause yeah. I know I'm going to get a fair deal. I know that uh, I just, it, you just like dealing with people that you have a relationship with. It's just yeah. easier, right? It is. It, so, it makes it nice. You know, I've, I've made Holly and I and Ryan, who helps me at the shows a lot of times. We made a lot of good friends and met a lot of great people. And, you know, like we've said, I've said it before, if you treat people right and they feel like they got nice cards, you got what they wanted and they got a fair price, they'll come back. So, yep. um, and that's, that's the whole idea. And that's smart it's business too, right? I mean, that's incredibly wise business. You know, the guys that are jerks and stuff, you're like, I wouldn't buy a card from you if you gave it to me. You know what I mean? Like, thanks, but no thanks. You're you're no fun to deal with. I've walked around tables before it shows and you'll have dealers that just, they won't hardly say anything or they just kind of, 
I don't know, you know, but to me, it's about meeting people and striking up a conversation and, you know, talking about baseball. I have people that still that I've sold cards to that still call and we talk baseball or cards or, you know, whatever. And I yeah. always take the time and it's fun. Yeah. You and I text each other like, oh, look what I found. Or, you know, you'll be like, look at this collection. And I love that we do that. It's not me going, hey, Craig, do you have this or whatever? Um, it's not always about business. It's it's just right. two guys that love the hobby and, yeah. and love talking about it whenever we can. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think, like when, I, I guess, as you're getting ready for the national in the next few weeks, you know, your yeah. daughter's upstairs sorting cards, I'm sure, yeah. to, to make inventory easier. What about, yeah. like, do you have guys, long-term customers, the reason I brought up, you know, repeat customers, do you have guys that are sending you lists, want lists to, hey, if you have these, go ahead and pull them, make me a stack that I can pick up and pay for at the national. Do you do that? I mean, a lot of times I don't, I won't pull cards out, but, but I will make sure that if they're looking for a certain year, you know, I, I can make sure that I've got that stuff available or I'll double check and make sure that if I need to get some more from the back inventory into that year, I'll make sure that I've got it good and full form. Uh, Cause it's, you know, the, the, the vehicle that we drive is completely full. So I've kind of got a system of how I've got everything, you know, in numerical order, as far as the years and the books and then the boxes and the graded cards. And I've kind of got a system on how I got everything. So it's pretty, um, I've got a pretty good system, I think, as far as once I get to the show where I can find stuff, but I have, I have customers a lot of times that will say, Hey, I'm looking for this, you know, um, or maybe it's a, something oddball. And sometimes I don't bring a lot of the later 70s stuff, uh, commons, because it's just, there's just so much stuff to bring because I got so much of the other stuff, but I'll bring a, a set of them or something to break. Or if somebody needs a lot of cards, I'll, I'll bring a set to the show. Um, well, you know. you're pointing to something that I think is super critical as a dealer. I would think organization is so critical. I mean, we've all been to booths before at shows where it looks like chaos. Like they literally just dumped a bunch of crap out of a box into their showcase right. and you're like dude there is no rhyme or reason to any of this right which really turns me off as a as a buyer i'm telling you know i go i, I don't really want to sift through a bunch of crap i want right. to get get to the point because there's so many booths to see i want to go do they have what i'm looking for yes or no if so i'll i'll make the time if not i'm going to move on and those chaotic booths really just make me yeah yeah, it's, I mean, uh, for me, no, no, thanks. Go ahead. Sorry, I think we had a little break up there. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the organization part of it, uh, I was just looking at some of my stuff today. Um, I get to where you have so many cards, you know, certain years, like in the 60s, you know, I've got just thousands of cards of many of those years. For instance, I need to go to 3,500 count boxes or 5,000. I'm always trying to figure out an easier way to be able to get to my inventory, to be able to make sure that everything's filled up as far as the books and the boxes and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty organized for the show, but here at, at home, as I buy, you know, collections and add to, it's a lot of work because you've got to be able to go through everything that you've bought, take a look at the condition. Okay. Then get everything in a holder or in a book or in a box and then priced and then take that sort of into the inventory that I have to go to the shows. And so it's a, it's quite an undertaking to, to try to keep everything up, but I want to, I want to make sure that I'm on top of what I have and, and I take everything that I can 
that I can take to the shows for the customer, you know. So. But, but I would think that all that work that you talk about putting in pre-show leads to more sales at the show okay. because if somebody asks, you're not going, well, let me see if I have that. And it take in the, the right. collector's going, dude, I don't have, don't waste my time. You know, you, yeah. you will know right where to look for the, yes. you know, and be able to answer that question. If you have, you don't have to know every card you have, that's impossible, but right. you, you can say, you know what, if I do, it's going to be right here kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. I think that's critical to creating that good experience for the collector. Yeah, the you know the star cards I have stacks of every year, so those right. are not really numerical order because I think a lot of times people like to go through the star stacks. Oh yeah, and but but the commons, um, and you know some of the later years, like in the late '60s and in the '70s, I'll have like a a big box just full of stars and commons all in numerical order. But most everything else is in is in numerical order for the set builder, and then the showcases, you know, the just the stacks of stars. I may have you know four or five of six of a lot of the stars in those years where people could kind of look and look at the condition and kind of decide on which card they'd like to get, you know. I also um, notice in your showcases, you'll have all the 65s together, all the 60, you know, you'll put it right. by, you'll group them by year, which believe it or not, a lot of dealers don't, you know, it's all random. And yeah. I know if I'm looking for like a 65, you know, Sandy Koufax or something, I, Right. I know to go to the 65, if it's not there, you don't have it. Right. And right. so yeah, that's, that also helps. Yeah. I that. think my only disadvantage is sometimes I wish I had 25 showcases, you know, and I could, instead of having a stack of cards and having it full of all these hall of famers, I can't display all of them. I try to put a few on top, but cause you know, I got a lot of people that just, there's a lot of collectors that just something catches their eye and say, well, I really like that card. It looks nice and they'll buy it. Not, you know, just random. There's a lot of people that just like to go look through cards and just buy something that, that catches their eye, you know? So sometimes you wish you could display every single card, but that's not, you know, that's not possible. But, well, uh, that happened to me at your booth at one of the Dallas shows. I saw a red man with tab Stan usual. Do you remember this story? Do you remember? Yep. That? yep I remember. And I, it caught my eye and I, that was not on my radar at all. It doesn't fit into anything that I do. I do love Stan Musial who doesn't. Right. But, yeah. and I didn't have any red man cards in my collection and you had it to me, I thought very fairly priced. I knew I could probably squeeze a couple bucks off of it from you, but, <laughs> uh, and I was like, I don't know why, because I think because it didn't fit really, it would just be a kind of a one-off for my collection. I, I, hemmed and hawed about it and i left and i came back and i looked for it and i'm like dude it's not where it was and holly was like yeah he sold it and i'm like yeah. i remember that car because it was beautiful i'm not rubbing in <laughs> i was so was mad beautiful. at myself it was beautiful yeah it was and it, it wasn't crazy expensive you know it was yeah. 100 and i don't know it wasn't crazy expensive right and i i'm like oh i wish i would have just bought it in the moment yeah. and uh so I learned a lesson from that is my point, right? Yeah. And sometimes you learn lessons the hard way. <laughs> that was that was one of them. Um, let me ask you about inventory, because as you're going through the show, starting on Wednesday when the, it opens to the public, do you make a lot of deals even before it opens to the public, dealer to dealer deals or other guys just walking around? Yeah, I mean, at the National, usually that uh, I always do the early setup on Tuesday. And yeah, you usually, usually sell quite a few cards on that first day on Tuesday. 
Um, I like to go out and walk around because I got some cards that I'm kind of looking for in my collection. Um, if I get a chance to, I like to go out and walk around. But yeah, I mean, you know, usually as soon as you're in there and you've got everything set up, there's there's I'm people walking on. around ready to buy stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's, I'm one of those guys that, you know, through some connections that I have, I I can get in on Tuesday and I'm I'm there to buy on Tuesday. I'm there to to see what kind of things are there already. And that's a cool advantage uh, to know low people in high places sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Current company excluded, of course. But, you yeah. know, uh, that's, I think, a great day to make some deals. And because it's a lot, very low stress time. You know, people are still fresh. They're not tired yet. You know, right. dealers are not just worn down by everybody trying to beat them over the head, you know. And yeah. it's, uh, I find it to be a very, the dealers are just more relaxed to me. They just seem, cause they know they're kind of in there. They're with their other dealer buddies, you know, and it's, a, right. it's, it's just a different environment. Um, that, but that rotating inventory is your, from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, early in the week, mm -hmm. you're obviously selling a lot of cards. How do you, and I've always wondered this as stuff gets taken out of the showcase, you want to replace it, right? You mm -hmm. want to keep the inventory, how do you rotate stuff around? Do you have a, do you have like the backup inventory kind of I've thing? Got, yeah, I've got some backup inventory, um, you know, on the big, you know, obviously the big, the big star cards and some of those are kind of hard to uh, replace. I'm bringing a whole bunch of nice T206s all graded uh, to the national. So, uh, you know, some of that stuff's you just really can't replace. Um, but some of the, you know, a lot of the cards in the, 50s and 60s and 70s i have you know multiples of right. so that helps you know so how do you decide what to put out at the beginning like when you go all right this is our initial setup our initial this is the way i want my showcase to look it's never going to look as pretty as it does right now because things are yeah. going to get removed and sold how do you decide that what goes into that process i mean i i pretty much stick to what's worked for me in the past mike i mean uh, you know, I do all the graded cards and then I've got some cards that uh, are really nice that are raw that I would probably grade, but I've not, I haven't graded because I got a lot of folks that like to buy cards that aren't graded. So I've got those cards singly and holders. Um, and then it goes right into, you know, I'm my Gaudis and T206s and on into the early fifties and, you know, it works its way all up through the seventies and then the football and basketball. Um, so, you know, I don't really, I don't change the way that I do it much from show to show because it, like we talked about earlier with uh, me being able to find the cards or if customer comes, I know that, okay, this is, and, and Holly does too. It helps both of us because we kind of know where to go and the customers that I've had in the past, they know where to look. And, um, so, you know, I don't really change my setup a whole lot. Um, you know, the one thing at the national is, you know, like at a, a lot of the shows, I'll have all the books and everything on the tables. Um, there's so many people at the tables at the national, not that I don't trust people, but, um, but you don't trust people. That's but, okay. But I mean, you know, you, it happens, yeah. it happens. Sure. So I'll have more shelves behind the tables where if certain customers are looking for certain years, I'll have all the boxes and all the albums and stuff like that available to go through. And I'll probably try to set up it's, you know, it's tough because I don't have my normal spread that I have at the other shows. Like when I'm, I'll be doing Indianapolis, uh, and I'll be doing a, a Nashville show uh, for Jeff down there. Um, but uh, it's tough. 
to be able to have enough room at the national. I, I'm not sure what the, I've not done the Atlantic city show. I don't know how they're going to have, have it set up. I know I'm fairly close to the entrance, but as far as my booth area, I know like in Chicago, we were really packed in there. I mean, it's nice I mean, some of my customers, I can have them come to the back, you know, come around backside of the booth if they really yeah. work on something and have them sit down. It's always nice to be able to go through your lists and um, at your own pace. And yeah, right. Because it's just so crazy and people, you know, want to be able to do their thing. Well, if there's 25 people or more at the tables, it's hard for somebody to really concentrate and go through their lists and go through cards. So um, that's the disadvantage. I think sometimes with the way I have it set up is, I feel like sometimes there's not quite enough room for them, but I mean, we always make it work, but I want to make sure somebody's comfortable as they, as they go through books and boxes and stuff and try to find what they want and have time to look at the condition and don't feel rushed. And there's not three people behind them going, you're done with those. I want to, I want right. to take a look, you know, there's always, and it gets crazy like that. So. Sure. But Do you have a lot, you mentioned, you know, the wanting to, wanting to have a lot of faith in people. Do mm -hmm. you have a lot of stuff that gets, five finger discounted off your table? I, not that I know of. And, um, you know, when most of the time when people come to my table and buy cards out of the books, um, we'll give them a notepad and a pen and have them, this is probably people think I'm crazy, but we'll have them write down, you know, if something has a sticker price, they'll write it down in a notepad or they'll, they'll say, okay, I got 20 cards in this series and they were a dollar 50 piece and whatever. And then I'll total it up. And so I'm pretty, I mean, I, pretty much take a lot of people's word for what they have, you know, I'll kind of glance through and see what we have, but uh, I haven't that I know of. I mean, everything I knock on wood has been pretty good. You know, that's, it helps to have two or three people. And, I made Norman uh, go crazy because I knocked on wood. Not, I was, <laughs> I think somebody's at the door. But when you got, you got a, other people at the tables that are your customers that you've sold for to before, you know, they're also watching other people are watching. So, I mean, it's not just Holly and I, you know, everybody's kind of aware of what's going on. And I think if somebody thought something was happening that they would say something, you know? Yeah. But, and I agree that, I mean, look in our hobby, I'm sure there's stuff that get, and we know we hear stories about it all the time. Yeah. Dealers getting stuff stolen out of their cases. I, I don't know. Is it just me or is the vintage world less of that? I don't know. I yeah. mean, I don't know either. I, I, I always think and hope that everything is on the up and up. I try to trust everybody. And yeah, um, no, I think know, that's, you have to go into it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. You can't go into it. Just sus suspecting everyone's trying to rip you yeah. off that. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad way to, <laughs> to right. live anyway. Yeah. Um, you've been to a lot of shows recently over the last few months. Uh, you did Indy, I think a couple months yeah. ago, right? I did. It was great. Yeah. Uh, big show. Like, in the vintage world, what's moving right now? What do you think is going to be really popular at the national? Uh, you know, that even at that indie show, you know, we just had, we had a lot of set builders building their sets and we sold a lot of raw stuff. Um, you know, I sold some graded stuff too, but the raw was just going, going like crazy. Um, and I, I think most of them were just building sets. Um, I mean, at the national, like, I was going through, I'm, I'm going to bring some just different oddball, you know, the, it's the oddball stuff and the out of the ordinary cards that people are looking for. So um, I'm going to say a show like that. Right. Cause they know they can get the common stuff any other time they want. Right. Right. And right. you know, you interesting point. I I've heard just from talking to other collectors, 
other guys going to different shows around the country that raw is becoming the new graded. Like yeah. people are, it's almost like anti-grading again. It's, it's like, all right, it, like slab gate, like just the slab tsunami that's happened in the hobby has become like overdone so much that people are going, you know what I can, I'll, I'll take it raw. I, yeah. I like it raw. That's what I'm hearing. And that's what I'm seeing, Mike. I mean, I get a lot of people that are just, you know, they like to, they like the raw cards. They like to feel them. They like, you know, and they don't want to worry about the slab or the grade. And I think too, I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but there are, and, and you see it in a lot of the groups, there are a lot of inconsistencies right now with the grading process. And, you know, a, a graded PSA seven, you know, two or three years ago, doesn't seem to be the same PSA seven as it is now, but it just depends on who the grader is. It could, you know, there's a lot of inconsistencies right now. So I think a lot of people are saying, you know what, I've got an eye, I can go to a show and I can look at this 65 tops Kofax and say, you know what, this card's beautiful. And I think I'm going to, I'm interested in buying it. You know? Yeah. And that, and that's great. Um, I think yeah. you know anybody can grade a card. It's their eye if they like it you know, they can buy it. But yeah. And it's funny people, I, I think the real, this is going to sound, I, I want this to sound the way I'm really intending it, which is most collectors, myself, especially when I look at a card, the numerical grade is not unimportant, mm -hmm. but it's less important than the card itself. I'm buying the card, not the grade. And we, we say that right. a lot in the collecting world, like buy the card, not like if it's a, if you like it, great don't buy it just because of the number that's on the flip right. buy it because it's well centered it's you know all, all kinds of different there's a whole lot of reasons you would buy a card i buy a card slab because i like it being protected i like it kind of being like okay this is the condition this card's going to be in hopefully for the rest of its life kind of thing right. um and i like the registries for sure but I, i'll take a psa4 with better eye appeal than maybe a, an assigned grade of a six of the same card. If I like a, the price points better B, I just want a nice example of the card. Right. So I, I think there's um, a lot to the collector having their, like you just said, they, they have eyes, you know, and yeah. you need to decide as each collector needs to decide for themselves, what types of cards they want to own. Yeah. Right? So, that's a great point. I think that with the inconsistencies and some of the, you know, the talk that you hear about the grading is, you know, just like what you're saying, people can realize and they can go, you know what, I can buy a raw card or I can buy this card. Maybe it's not the numerical grade that I like, but look at the card itself is beautiful right. and I'm going to buy it. I mean, yeah. that's, and maybe that's changing. You know, I think even myself, I think when I used to, you know, I've got registry sets and stuff. I used to buy Oh, that's a, you know, I want to have all these in a certain grade. So if it was a seven, then, I, you know, I need to buy it, even though maybe a six looks nicer. And I think as you get, as you progress and things have kind of, for me, I, you know, it's more, it's more of an eye appeal. It's more, Hey, you know, this card catches my eye and I really like it. Even if it maybe is a five or a six and not a seven. So, yeah. I mean, you could say, I'll take a, a card that has beautiful color and registration, even with rounded corners versus one that's, yeah know, sharp you know what i mean there's and I, but yeah. i have my own every it's funny some guys care about centering some guys care about we all have our own little nuance of what we love yeah. for me it's color and like the the picture and i don't like snow so right. that matters more to me the, to me a vintage card should be a little worn corners you know I, i've got yeah. some worn corners myself kind of thing and so <laughs> i 
I don't mind that as much. Some guys, yeah. I can't stand rounded corner, or not rounded, but you know what I mean? Not, uh, right. Little fuzzy corners, I guess, is probably the right way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, some people it's corners, some it's centering, some it's, you know, everybody's got their own eye and what they like. And that's that's what makes collecting sports cards great, you know. That's why if I do these shows, I want to have, there may be an off-centered one, there may be a centered one, there may be one with a little more corner wear. I mean, you know, I think collectors want to have a choice. They want to be able to look at multiple examples if they can and decide what they want to. I, I bought a 33 Gaudi Trish speaker the other day, a buddy of mine had. Just got back from PSA. It's a PSA. It was two point five, I think it was. And he sent me pictures of it. He had them, and I was like, "Wow, I, I've been looking for one, and I I bought it." He's going to be bringing it to the national. Nice. It just, it, the card looked beautiful. I mean, it's two five, but I the card looked great. So I was like, "I got to have that card." You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I, I'm totally the same way. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why we get along so well. We think, we we think a lot alike, and yep. but I think a lot of that's kind of a vintage. Collector's it mindset. It's not, and like I, I've seen plenty. Of my, my Willie Mays rookie is a two, and I love it. Yeah, I don't care that it's a two. Right. Like, uh, and I hate when collectors down talk their car. Oh, it's only a two. Yeah. Do you, do you love it? Is it? Do you? Did you get it at a great price? Like, then, awesome, man. Yeah. You you know you have a Willie whatever card. Um, we kind of got off. I I got off the rails a little bit, but I. The, the what's moving, I'm really curious because I'm I'm of the mindset that this national is going to be kind of a watershed moment for the hobby because we first of all, it's in Atlantic City mm -hmm. uh, there. The you're hearing from one side that from the national side, record ticket sales, record attendance expected, yada, yada. And I'm hearing from the grassroots effort of the hobby. Dude, I, I know plenty of big collectors that have said, no, I'm not going to Atlantic City that would otherwise if it was in chicago they'd be going or yeah. meaning and they've all bought tickets and now they're trying to sell them they're like you mm -hmm. know i've decided not to go because of the economic you know environment that we're in there's a lot of people going yeah maybe i'll pass this year um so i don't think it's going to be based on that information as big as they think it's going to be which is i don't either way i'm going so it right. doesn't really in fact that's just less people i'm elbowing to get out of the way of me trying to buy a card, which is fine. I, but I think it's this watershed moment because we are at this crossroads of the hobby. Who's going to stick around that came in after the pandemic? Who's going to, we're, we're two years removed from that. You know, we're, it's, it's time to see all these things we threw up against the wall. What's going to stick. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a lot of dealers there, newer dealers, not, not guys like you, but that have that are might be getting a little bit desperate. Like, whoa, I've had this inventory for a while now. It's all come down. And vintage hasn't cratered like ultra modern for sure, but it's certainly come down from the peak, right? No question. And uh, I, I think there's going to be some opportunities as a buyer that I haven't seen in a couple of years to pick up some stuff that maybe I was priced out of mm -hmm. during the pandemic period. Do you agree? Disagree? Well, you know, if you think about where the show's at, I mean, there's not been a national out there for I don't know how many years it's been, 16. right? It was 16 was the last. So, you know, there's a lot of collectors out there. You know, I've not I've not done a show out there, so I don't know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I did that indie show and the last few shows that I've done have been just rocking. Crazy. Rocking. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are saying they're not going to go, but how many collectors are up in in that area 
uh, up in the Northeast that are going to be there. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot. So, and that's cool. I mean, but I, I don't I know. I mean, I'm speculating there, but, uh, you know, just being in at some of the last shows that I've done and I know, you know, the economy and there's things, but I think I was thinking about this the other day, you know, the economy is one thing, but a lot of people buy cards and they collect because they enjoy it too. So, I mean, I know they're spending money and probably a lot of people have, you know, they've, they've got a budget and they've got some money budgeted for the national, but they're not only going, I mean, they're going to the, a lot of times they go to shows just because they enjoy it. They love going through cards. I love to buy cards. So it's, it's, that's the advantage that I think we have in the sports cards market is, uh, it a lot of people just enjoy it. They love it. It's a hobby. So we yeah. can get caught up in the money and, you know, the price of this cards went down or went up, blah, blah, blah. But there's so many collectors like me. And I know I'm, I do the shows too, but a collector that if there's certain cards that I'm, I really want to get, I enjoy it. If I've got the money put aside. I'm going to buy it. So yeah. um, it's a little different approach, I think, than, you know, we looked at the stock. If we look, I didn't look at the stock market today, but you know, oh man, it's down again, or whatever stock I've got is down. But um, it makes you feel good. You go to, I enjoy. I love. I go to shows. There's a little show in Mattoon and Terre Haute, Indiana, that I'll go to right before the national, and um, I go through cards and pick up stuff that I want because I, I enjoy it. You know, yeah. it, there's a for me, it's a fine balance of doing some shows and then getting an opportunity to go to shows to buy some cards and work on my collection. So um, it's fun. Yeah, I try to tell and advise other collectors like you should be spending money on your hobby that you don't need to pay your bills or to fill up your gas tank or buy groceries, all that kind of stuff. This should be fun. And if you're stressing about the money part of it, that takes a lot of the fun out of it. So try to spend what's reasonable. And, and that may be different this year than last year or the right. year before. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you can't have a blast. It doesn't mean you can't pick up some great stuff for your collection. Just hobby within your means, you right. know? Um, and I, and I, being a financial advisor, right. I just, I just think that way all the time. I, right. I'm always like, don't overdo it, you know? And people look at my collection and probably think I overdo it, but I, all my bills get paid. My house is paid. You know, right. there's, I'm not spending money. I have to have for other things. This mm -hmm. is, discretionary income this is extra right. so to speak that my wife and i have worked through and this is what i can do um so but i'm excited about what i might be able to pick up at this show uh more so than even in years past uh i i have the whole guy i wish i could go back to you know 2014 in cleveland when i was there my first kind of modern national yeah. i had gone in 1990 when i was you know, 17 years old, but I didn't have the, I wasn't a vintage guy then. And, but my first real show in national in 2014, I, I wish I could go back and take the budget I have now to that show. I would, I would be a happy guy, but at the same time, I, I can't go back in time. I don't have a DeLorean that'll go 88 miles an hour and, <laughs> and take me back. So uh, what do you think's different about the national Craig than Indy or Dallas or other shows that you go to, what's special about it? Um, it, I think it's just, it's just the buzz, the preparation, the, you know, the early setup and the sneak peek. And, um, they really, they really get the hype, you know, going for the show. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just the hunt. I mean, it's almost like you could find any card that you're looking for at the national 
And I think that's exciting. And also getting to see things at the national, uh, get to see cards that you probably will never get to see at any other show. Um, so there's a lot, you know, not that, you know, in the, the Dallas show, the Indy show, you know, these shows are uh, in the Nashville show that Jeff has, is, you know, is a great show too, but the national, uh, there's just so much, there's just so much hype. I mean, you know, what, uh, what are we going to get to see or what are we going to, what are we going to maybe get the opportunity to buy? And, you know, the last national Chicago, I had some, some really great stuff come to my tables that I had an opportunity to buy some collections. So, um, and that, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but I think it's just, it's just the hype and what you could get to see at the national because they're, I mean, about everything's going to be there probably for, for a collector to be able to, if they can't afford it to buy it, they at least might get to see it, you know? So I think that's exciting too. And I know there's a lot of autograph, uh, folks like to get autographs and I'm an autograph, like I'm an autograph collector like you are. Yeah. Um, so there's going to, I saw the lineup. There's, it looks like there's going to be a lot of, a lot of great athletes there signing. So that'll be fun too. Um, going out to eat with friends and, you know, I know you got a bunch of buddies you're going with, so yeah, just a big, it's just a big deal. It's just a lot of fun. Part of me thinks because of the growth of the other regional large shows that are happening and it seems like they're just getting bigger and bigger, which is great for the hobby overall, but it makes me concerned that the national might lose some of its luster. If, the idea is, well, I don't need to go to Atlantic City. I can go to Dallas next month or I can go right. to Indy in two months. And there's just pretty close to as many in Dallas, especially as many vendors there. And maybe not as many actual tables or as much table space. But the number mm -hmm. of dealers at the Dallas show rivals the national in terms of people there. Yeah. And so it's I, I worry about that. I'm, I Nobody yeah. loves the national more than I do, really. Right. I, I, I find it to be my favorite thing to put on the calendar at the beginning of every year like okay i who i'm gonna see like you said who i'm gonna go to dinner with who i'm staying with who who i get to hang with the relationships those are vital right. but that's also happening at others like i have friends that you know two or three friends four friends that fly in for the dallas show every time and they stay at my house and we right you know so it, it's almost like i can replicate that experience that it, that used to be so unique about the national mm-hmm I may have to spread it out over a few Dallas shows or whatever, right. but I, I feel like I'm, it's getting the, the gap is closing between the uniqueness of the national and other big regional shows that are becoming more and more popular. So I, I think so. I agree with you there. I mean, yeah. you think about, you know, this, the Dallas show, the Nashville show, the Indy show, I know there's some others about the Northeast. There's some really big shows. Uh, Chantilly, for, you know, Chantilly's a big one. Yeah, but uh, we're finding that uh, you know those are just exciting and they're getting big too. There's a lot of hype, so yeah. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, I don't know where the next, you know, that right now they're kind of looking at where we're going to have the national the next three rounds. You know, they sent a lot of us the voting sheet to where we can kind of vote on where we want to have the. I hope to have the national the next three, the next three years. You know, um, I think location has got something to do with it a little bit, you know, I mean, I think, I, I do think that Chicago is a great, you know, it's kind of centralized. There's a great location. And I know Cleveland uh, is, it sounds like I've not set up there, but it sounds like it's pretty, pretty good set up to, to get everybody in there and, and to be able to set up and get everything into the location. So, um, you know, that's probably got something to do with it, but these, these regional shows like Dallas and India and Nashville and some of these for, 
are really are exciting. I mean, it's and yeah. and, uh, and there's a lot of people going to those shows. Yeah, uh, shows are shows are hopping right now. I mean, they really. Yeah. Are. Well, I think there's a to me the hobbies. I think the hobby is gravitating a lot towards shows because it's mm-hmm. easy. Yes. Uh, it's usually cash deals. There's not tax tip. You know, you can just it's it's cleaner. You don't right. have to wait for a card to be shipped to you or e- even right. now go through eBay certification and then finally get to yeah. you and hope it doesn't get screwed up. You get to look at it there. There's a lot of value to that. And the hunt, like you said, is so fun. Yeah. It's one thing to, to hunt with a mouse. Yeah. It's another thing to hunt with these. Right. And you get the card from eBay and you get it at home and you're like, oh, it's got a wrinkle or no, this is not, you know, it's right. not what you expect. Well, you can come. You can come to the shows and you can have the card in your hand and look at it and see if it's really what you want or not. So I think that's the big advantage of the card shows. Yeah. And and there's a financial aspect to it too. I I don't want to dismiss that as not being important. I can do a deal, even if it's more expensive or less expensive on eBay. Well, then you, I hear it from both sides. A dealer will say, well, you don't have to pay tax. And I'm like, well, you don't have to pay eBay fees either. You know, so. The, the reality is we both win. So let's yeah. make this work. Like right. if, we, if we sell it here, we're both better off. So yes, let, let's try to find a way to make that happen. And I, fe- I feel. All right. So guys, we're back. I'm so sorry. Uh, we, I just had some technical issues here. So I'm back with Craig and I, we, we but neither one of us, since my Wi-Fi went out, neither one of us can remember exactly what we we're talking about. So you probably know, and you're <laughs> like, I wish they would finish that thought. But I can't go back and stop this and go listen to it and know where we were. So I apologize for that. But we were kind of yeah. talking about the regional shows, I think, Mike. Yeah, and how they were growing and all that and the yeah. losing the luster. But yeah. when you filled out your little, like you got your little survey or whatever, I think people need to know the national locations are decided by the dealers, not necessarily the national itself. I guess I should say they really value the input of the dealers themselves. Right. Right. And so not that you have the only say as, as the dealers, but you, you are contributing to that decision process. Yeah. Did we're they, contributing. Yeah. Did they give you any other like non-normal places? No, I mean, and I don't know exactly how it all works, Mike. I mean, everything, you know, the, I think the options are like Chicago, the next three shows, Chicago, Cleveland, Chicago, and maybe Chicago and Atlantic City was in there somewhere. I can't remember, um, but it was for the next three years. So interesting. Um, yeah, it, it, it's good that, to get everybody's input on it. I think that's great, but I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure how the whole process works as far as how they decide. I know there's kind of a, a group or a board uh, for the national that kind of takes a look at everything and gets all the votes. So. We, we had mentioned Cleveland before I lost my internet and you said you'd never been there. Uh, I've been to two nationals there in terms of floor space. And I've never been to Atlantic city either. So this will be both mm-hmm. of our first times to a national in Atlantic city. The Cleveland show is amazing in yeah. terms of the actual venue, the IX center, everything else about Cleveland is pretty crap because all the hotels, none of them are like right there. They're all a shuttle away or an Uber away, or you got to drive there. Yeah. So that's, that's mildly inconvenient, but I will say that there's wide aisle. I mean, it's great for the show itself. The show floor is fantastic. Yeah. So that, that's my only, I say it's a big complaint though, because if it's all relational about going to the show, 
and you can't really do that conveniently mm -hmm. once the show ends, it kind of like, eh, you know, but I'll still go if it's included, right. That's fine. Um, cause we were talking about, you know, the differences between the national and other shows and stuff like that. So is your approach, and I want to get into some more nitty gritty stuff that some sure. people may not care about, but I find it fascinating. You're, you go to this show, you've got a budget, you, you know, you're spending, you're outlaying so much money to come. You're having to bring all this inventory. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Do you think, oh man, I want to, I have a sales goal of this every day, or I need to do this to meet my, my projection of the amount of money I need to make. Does that ever cross your mind? How do you approach it that way financially? Not really. I mean, you know, I think the goal for us is just, I hope to see a lot of people, you know, we, we got all the business cards, we put the business cards out. Um, and we hope that we're constantly putting out business cards because people are grabbing our, are grabbing the cards and uh, uh, they're getting the idea where the booth number's at. But I think it's more or less just the traffic, foot traffic and how busy we are. And usually Holly and I, by the end of the day, are just, you know, wore out. So, I mean, right. I, I want to set expectations on, uh, you know, I hope that I do this amount in sales a day or I hope tomorrow. I mean, I think that every, every dealer in their mind has got, man, I hope I can get this amount because you know how much you've got wrapped up in, you know, the show and your hotel and food and stuff like that. But um, I try not to get too much into that because I want to just kind of enjoy it and know that I worked hard and um, usually the collectors are there. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I try not to get too wrapped up in, in that. Uh, because I'm, it's a card show and I'm, I'm getting set up at a card show and I, I enjoy it and it's fun. And I just try to try to keep the fun side of it and stay away from the, uh, try to try not to look too hard at the business side of it, I guess. It's kind of a field of dreams mentality. It's like, if I, if I build the right experience, they will come, right? right? Like yeah. that's what I hope. Right. Yeah. And, and the, and the money will take care of itself. Right. Yeah. If you, if you do it right and you, and I think you do. Thank you. Um, so as we close up here, I, I want to tell you a, how much I appreciate you doing this. And I, I think it's great that you're willing to share your experience as a dealer. When people, anybody go into the national, I'm going to, I have an idea for you, Craig. So here's your card, right? This yep. is Craig's business card. So if you're watching on YouTube, it's not focusing perfectly, but you can hit pause and, What's your booth number at the national? What is it on there? Two is it two forty one? What? I'd well, you have it scratched out here. It's not even. Oh, do I? This is an old card. I've had it for a long old time. card. I think it's two forty one. I should have had that ready, but I don't have. I like you knew we were talking about the national or anything. So. But you can look. But but on the national, they have a website there, and it's got all the dealers. It's got uh, their booth number, um, and I think like when you come in the main entrance and you come in. It could go maybe two or three aisles and then take a ride and I'm I'm right in that area. So I'm not too far away from the from the main entrance there. But um I think I'm booth two forty one, but it's under how big vintage sports cards there. So well here's my idea for you, Craig. And I I want you guys to pipe in on this down below in the in the comments. My thought to Craig was he he loves handing out his business cards and people it's got his booth number, which is great. So if you're there and this is an advice to anybody at, at any show, not just the national, but it's overwhelming. You're going to forget where things were and where, Oh, I saw this card, but I can't remember. Well, Craig card at his, at his table, he's got his booth number on it. So that's problem. Number one solved, you know, what booth to go to. Number two is what card were you looking at? What was the price? 
So Craig, I have a, on the back of your card, I think you should, you know, keep your awesome, you know, experience and all that kind of, I think that's important, but make it where it's like almost like a little mini notepad right there, you know, where it lines and it's yeah. white and someone can write down on the back of your card. And I promise you more collectors will keep your card. If it's in, instead of just being a random card, it's, you know, I'm looking for a blah, 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 X, Y, Z card. And they know where to go and where they found it. I think that's a cool idea. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Because I, you know, a lot of people that grab the, that'll grab a business card. You know, they're trying to write somewhere, or some people have a notebook or whatever. They're trying to write down what I have or what, you know. And then the location, they're looking around to see. Okay, yeah, it's such a big, it's such a big venue, you know, where, of where I'm located. But yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, if you give them an easy way to do that, and it's branding yourself, you know what I mean? It's perfect, right? Right. Uh, I, I may have that dog might hunt right there. That I, think it's, I wish I had, but I've got a card. Let me look here real quick. I need uh, you guys down below as you're hearing this. If you think that's a good idea for Craig, put a comment down below because Craig will be reading the comments after this comes out. I was um, right. Two, 241. Okay, 241. So you already got your cards for the national already? Yep, my business cards. I do. So it's too late, too late for this show, I guess, to change it, but. I don't know. I'll have notepads so I can, yeah. they can, I have all these little notepads and pens so people can, they use them to write down like we was talking about before, but they can write down whatever information, but I may do that next time. I think it's a great idea yeah, for future reference, but Hey, if you're at the national, go see Craig and Holly. They're great. They'll treat you right. If you go and say that you heard about them from golden nature cardboard, Craig's going to give you 50% off. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. That's not true. <laughs> That's totally not true. Um, <laughs> Is there any benefit for anybody listening to this podcast and coming to your, to your table? Any benefit? Yeah. We didn't talk about this at all before. Like, do they get like a, like a, they get, well, I'm, sure we could, I'm sure we could come up with something. I bet he'll take care of you. If you say, Hey, I heard if you. They mention, yeah. If they mention you, I'm sure I can work something out for them. Yeah. I'm sure. If they and, cards, I'm sure I'll, I'll give them a little break or something on their deal. Well, you got to be careful because they'll be coming up, man, Mike's my best friend. And, <laughs> I've never met him. So <laughs> I do um, try to work with everybody the best I can. To, I know you do. You I, do. I, I, mean, I think that's the most one of the most important things is everybody's got a budget and everybody's trying to find a fair price on a card. And that's what we that's what we strive to do to make sure everybody feels good about the card and about the price. So that's important. Very important. It is. And you 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 guys do a great job. I've never left there feeling like I never left I felt always leaving there going, Hey, we both I, I did well there, you know, yeah, not, I, I always feel good leaving your table. So Great. that's that, good. I'm glad to hear that. That is awesome. Um, well, thanks Craig again for being here. I'll see you in a Great. few short weeks uh, at the national. I'm sure we might even talk to each other a few times between now oh, yeah. and then, but uh, I really appreciate you. And uh, Hey, if you're going to the show, go check them out. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll that's talk great. to you soon and uh, keep collecting.